Today's guest has a long portfolio of successful games with around 100 million visits under their own games, as well as contributing to Vehicle Simulator which has 600 million visits, and he's managed to do it all with a bucket on his head. Let's find out how in today's episode as we go Beyond the Blocks. Hello and welcome back to Beyond the Blocks, a podcast all about the Roblox platform and game development. I am of course your host, Bantech, and I'm excited to welcome Scripton as our guest. So hello Scripton, how are you today? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Now I think a lot of successful developers uh, probably fall into two categories as those who kind of double down um, when a project becomes successful and spend all their dev time on that one project, improving it and keeping it successful, adding new features, that kind of thing. And then there's those who use their successes to kind of create different games, sort of springboard from one success to the next, uh, amassing a long list of reasonably popular games, exploring all these different ideas. Uh, would it be fair to kind of categorize yourself as the latter of those two? For the most part, yeah. The only game I've really stuck with, well, I guess the only two games I've really stuck with for a long time would be Vehicle Simulator, which was three years, and Kinetic Code, which I've been working on and off for like five years soon. But I have like 10 other projects that I've done between that, and that's taken up quite a large chunk of my time. <laughs> well, it's very interesting kind of looking into all the stuff you've done. Obviously, coming to this episode, researching it, uh, I was finding myself asking where to even start. So I think we'll start with probably a, an obvious question of what makes you continue to create new experiences, even to this day on Roblox? Um, It's fun, and I get paid, so I can't really ask for anything more. <laughs> Well, you recently hit 12 years, I think, of developing. Is that all on Roblox? Yeah, I actually haven't developed much at all on other platforms or other languages or IDs or whatever. Roblox has had this explosive growth for like five years straight now. And I feel like I would be risking a lot and wasting my time by leaving the platform and doing other things. So I'm just sticking with it. Yeah, definitely. Well, I suppose you've invested 12 years so far. <laughs> how how much of that time was uh, kind of hobby development and how much has been a full-time career mode? So I joined Roblox somewhere between 5th or 6th grade. And then I got my first DevX, I believe, uh, freshman or sophomore year, like 10th or 11th grade or so uh, in school. And I like sort of started taking it seriously, but I still had school. And then uh, senior year of my school, I started to take it really seriously and I was staying up super late working. And that's when I started to kind of make a name for myself and get some of my more well-known projects out there. And then I went to college for a year after that. And then Roblox is like, hey, uh, you should come intern. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to say no. So I quit college and I did that. And now it's like four years soon of just full-time Roblox dev, like, this is my job, this is what I do. Awesome. I mean, how do you kind of keep track of all of your different projects? I assume it's a little bit easier without school in the background now. Um, but yeah, how, how do you kind of keep track of it all? So I only work on two projects at a time. Um, I found that if I do any more, I'm not really effective. Um, but two is perfect because I'll work on one and then I'll get a little burnout or tired or frustrated or whatever it is. And I'll just hop on the other one and I have ideas for it. So I'm excited again. 
then the same thing happens maybe a few weeks, a few months later. I'm like, ugh, tired of this, burned out, want to work on something else. And I go back to the original project. And this way I can keep hopping between projects without having to like abandon anything. And it's also a great way to kind of organize my work schedule. Which uh, two projects are you working on at the moment? I know you've posted about kind of kinetic code updates recently. Is that one of them? Yes. Uh, so that's been sort of the main one for quite a while, um, past few, like five, six months, I believe. Um, and then the secondary project is a game called Rovers, which is Hotel Robloxia. It's been rebranded since I'm expanding outside of the hotel. And is that one that you um, were assembling an accelerator team for? Yeah. Yeah. I just got the team together a couple of weeks ago. Um, pretty excited. Still haven't heard back from Roblox for the uh, application yet. So still don't know what's happening, but me and the team have been working pretty hard already ahead of time. So no matter what happens, the game's getting done. Yeah. Hopefully that goes well for you. Um, I suppose if you get this one, it won't be your first inter internship with Roblox. As, as you mentioned, you've had some before. So what was the first internship you did? What game did you work on there? Uh, the first internship, uh, that was the one that I left my like college home family type thing for. And that was Prison Royale. And I made that with Vordenzon and Atrazine, which are both very skilled artists. And that went pretty well, actually. We hit the front page and we got like quite a few players and I learned a lot about like game design and production schedules and all that good stuff. So that was really fun. Yeah, I imagine you probably learned quite a lot from that. And I, I assume it went well enough for you to want to go back to Roblox again. Yeah. Oh yeah, so I had a second internship, but this time it wasn't an incubator. Um, this time it was an engineering internship. And rather than making games, I worked on like the Roblox engine platform itself. And that was kind of interesting. I got to see what it's like to be a uh, like a typical Silicon Valley programmer. Like if I was to go work at Facebook or Google or Apple or something, they'd have a similar workflow with like GitHub and source control and like all the ways they organize stuff. So it was a good learning experience, but overall I actually did not like it. Um, you don't really get as much freedom because uh, the engineering team decides what needs to get done. And that's sort of the end of it. And you can suggest ideas, they're pretty open, but like for the most part, you have this job, you gotta do it. But with game dev, you're like, oh, I don't feel like working on the uh, animations today. I'm gonna go work on the UI. And so in that way, you kind of have more control and I really miss that. And so I'm happy to have it again. Yeah, definitely. I suppose you're much more of your own boss when you're working on your own games. Yeah, I suppose that's it pretty much. I, I just like to be free. Will Kinetic Code and the other games still get updates during your Accelerator program? Yeah, I still have a couple pieces of content and some character improvements that I want to be making. So we still have stuff planned. Awesome, perfect. Well, let's talk a little bit more about uh, Vehicle Simulator. Obviously, you said that you'd spent quite a few years on that. That was uh, probably your most kind of serious and long-term project. Historically, Roblox run kind of a lot of sponsored events back in the day. Uh, now they tend to be a bit fewer and further between. Um, but those events would involve an external sponsor making a deal with Roblox who would hire a bunch of developers from the platform to either make a game or items relating to the sponsorship. Um, I suppose the Wonder Woman one recently is, is probably a good example of that. 
Um, but then in 2019, there was kind of a really interesting shift when Vehicle Simulator was the first game on Roblox to have a hugely popular external sponsor, Hot Wheels, uh, without it being part of an official Roblox event. What was it like uh, kind of working up to that event, and how did it feel to be part of the first game to prove that developers could get sponsors like this? It was pretty cool. Um, the way we actually got into it was uh, SimBuilder was at RDC. I believe it was 17 or 18. And uh, one of the guys from, uh, what's their name? What's the guys that, Mattel, Mattel. Mattel is the biggest toy company, like, I think in the world. And they ended up selling some, uh, they own Hot Wheels basically. And they were like, hey, um, you guys make car games and we sell car toys. What if we did something together? And Sim Builder was like, yeah, it's a dream come true. And it was awesome. We just got to include some of their cars, some of their ramps. Um, they gave us marketing. We gave them marketing. Uh, everyone was pretty happy. Yeah, well, I think it was a really interesting um, kind of development. It was definitely a role model to other developers that they could aspire to do that kind of thing in the future. And I know that after that, Adopt Me had, uh, you know, a Scoob sponsorship, which was promo for a movie release. And I think a, a couple other games have had some smaller sponsorships. Um, do you think kind of these external sponsors are a good thing for the platform and that we'll see more events like this uh, across Roblox in the future? Yeah. Um, Roblox is old method, which I, I don't know if this is a hundred percent correct, but I think I heard something about them saying that it just didn't scale well. Like it was a nightmare because they'd have a ton of sponsors and then a ton of games and they have to like do all this work. But now the sponsors are just like, yeah, Hey, you, you specific game, here's my deal. And there's no middleman now. And you know, Roblox doesn't have to get involved. And so everything just works faster and better. And it just feels like the way things should be. Cause like if you go on YouTube, for instance, and uh, suppose you have someone like PewDiePie and he gets a sponsorship from like Razor or something. Razor doesn't go through YouTube to get to him. Razor just emails him. YouTube couldn't possibly keep up with those sponsorships if they had to be the middleman for every single YouTuber. So I think it's the natural way to progress. Yeah, definitely. I think scalability is an interesting point because when robots were running those um, sponsorship events quite regularly, you'd only really have one at a time. And I suppose for an entire platform, if you want to grow, um, like you said with the YouTube example, you can't really just have one sponsor. Um, so yeah, it should be a, a good thing, I think, for all developers. Yeah, definitely a good thing. Now, in addition to the public games that you've made that people can play, uh, you also sometimes share the results of various demos and tests that you're working on. Uh, I've definitely seen some recent ones of your rendering system. Um, is that just for fun, or is there any long-term goals there, such as a feature for one of your games? Right, so that has been a passion project of mine. Um, I've been working on and off uh, with this awesome programmer, you may have heard of him, Sir C. Fenner. And basically we wanna make a detailed, really good looking and hopefully somewhat fast rendering system inside of Roblox Studio. We haven't really announced this yet because we don't have a timeline. We've just been waiting for Roblox to make improvements to make it more possible. And this year and this past year has been amazing. They released multi-threading, which means you can do a lot more math a lot faster. 
Um, now they're optimizing raycasting again, which is awesome again, because the whole thing is just raycasts, which is drawing a straight line in the world and seeing if it hits something. And so with all these improvements, uh, and also LuaU, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, that also gave some speed improvements. Uh, we've been able to get the renders running faster and faster and faster. And soon we may get to the point where, you know, you don't have to wait all day for a really good render. And then I'm also working on an AI aspect. And basically you can run a lower quality version of the render. And maybe that takes a quarter of the time. And then with a little bit of extra processing power, the AI can make that look like a really good render. And that would be another way we can speed up renders. And right now we have a really good framework, a good system that can make these renders, but it just takes so long. And once we get the user experience out figured out, which it's going to be a plugin that we'll probably ask people to pay for, um, and we get the speed figured out, we want to release it. Because, I mean, this rendering system, for anyone who doesn't really understand uh, kind of rendering things, essentially it's um, just kind of bouncing light off objects to the camera or, or possibly from the camera back to the light source, essentially, isn't it? Yeah, it's raycasting, uh, as that term's gotten pretty popular lately. Uh, it's exactly what it is. And the goal is, instead of having to figure out Blender or pay an artist or, you know, do something complicated or expensive, you can just get our plugin. You pay, like, a small fee for it once, and now... You can make your awesome, like, one, one of the use cases we thought of was oftentimes people ask for renders of their character, so we're going to have some preset scenes. So there will be one where it loads in your character, or you could put in someone else's user ID, and then it sets up a nice camera, some nice lighting, a nice background, and you just hit run, and it just exports a really nice, beautiful image of your character, and it's really easy. And we also want to do the same thing for other types of scenes. Um, for instance, people often need game thumbnails or game icons. And this could probably be a much simpler way to get that because you just set it up, you click run, you don't have to figure out Blender, you don't have to talk to anyone, it just works. And these images are kind of exported to your local computer? Yeah, so we are going to give an option to download a client which lets you export it, but I think the easiest way would be to actually show the user the render on their screen. And that's going to be kind of the, how do I say that? Like the default, it's like, hey, this is what your render looks like. If you really want to get the high quality, the like awesome, whatever pixel count kind of version, you need to download the client. And all the client does is it listens to a port, a local port, and it's like, okay, there's pixels coming in. I'm going to create an image and save it in this file. Yeah, that's awesome. Kind of, I suppose, similar to how Roho works with syncing scripts to the game and, and vice versa, that sort of method. Yeah, Roho's actually pretty great in that aspect because they kind of paved the way for, uh, I don't know quite what you would call it, like a two-part plugin. Like one part you have to install in Studio, one part you have to download on your computer. So I feel like people being somewhat familiar, familiar with that already is really going to help out. So the next thing I wanted to kind of ask you about is DevHouse. First of all, I'll let you explain DevHouse to anyone who doesn't already know what it is. Um, so it's me, uh, script, er, whoops, I'm script. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Widgen, also known as Connor, Austin, also known as Lowcard, uh, Beverly, 
and uh, soon we're going to be adding a couple new members. Uh, Andrew, Brezza, as some people know him, and Evil Artists, or Vivian. And basically, we run a nice house, and we just live together, and we make games, and it's awesome. There's like a feedback loop, like someone works on something, we show each other, and then the other guys just like are like, hey, I think you could do this better. And then you do it better and it's like you get all this feedback from all these great developers so it's a really nice system and then also they're cool people just to hang out with yeah definitely i mean it's it's a really cool idea just a bunch of successful developers all living in a house together and it looks absolutely beautiful at the house from the pictures that i've seen uh, i think i saw a picture of your office not that long ago and it's kind of exactly as expected uh, just a bunch of technology and funky lighting is kind of the theme um, so I suppose the obvious first question is, who has the best office in the house? So I would say that's tied between me and Lowcard. We own we we both have our own little uh, corner type private area, which is really nice. I feel like getting your vibes right, your uh, your environment for your work environment is really important. Um, there's this Japanese saying: "Your mind is as cluttered as your desk." And I think that holds true. This idea of creating a house with these developers started, um, what, like two years ago or so? Um, how have you kind of grown and, and defined uh, and learned how you guys all work in this house together and whether your offices should all be in one big clump together or spread out across the house? Like, how's that kind of evolved? So we originally were just friends that lived in apartments. Some of us shared apartments with each other. Um, and we're like, hey, it'd be pretty cool if we just got a house because we all hang out almost every day anyway. Um, and so we did that. And basically the only requirement we really have for the house is that everyone gets their own uh, bedroom and bathroom and ideally a parking spot. And other than that, we're pretty happy to move wherever. Like we've been thinking about Oregon at one point or Arizona or Texas. And uh, now it seems like we've settled on L.A., um, surprisingly, LA is actually cheaper than the Bay, which is really funny because I feel like when I tell people I'm going to LA, they have like this, whoa, it's so expensive image in their head. And it is, but it's still less than the Bay. The Bay has been like absolutely brutal. The rent prices just do not make sense. You do not get benefit for being here, especially not during COVID when you can't socialize and network. So we're pretty excited to move out. Yeah, it's very surprising to me, the prices. Um, but it's, it seems like the absolute dream, or at least to me, it would be the dream to be surrounded by these like-minded developers, uh, hyping each other up, doing amazing work, uh, as you said, potentially helping each other out with things. Um, does it definitely live up to that dream? Yeah, it's awesome. Um, the social part, like you mentioned, is huge. That's actually why we're moving to LA. We have some friends at Red Manta. Uh, Alex Hicks, uh, what's his name? Abstract Alex. And Usering, also known as Adam, are over there, uh, as well as Nicholas from Murder Mystery. And uh, Gigs4D, they have their own little house, so we're moving out there so we can be closer to our friends. And, you know, COVID's been kind of lonely, can't really do too much seeing around, traveling or whatnot. So, just want to be with their friends. Yeah, that would be nice. And you guys have some pets in your current house, don't you? Oh yeah, yeah, we have a lot of pets. I have a dog and a cat, and my down-the-hallway neighbor, uh, Connor Widgeon, he has three cats. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
they'll run around at night and they'll go like full force attack on each other. And if you're downstairs, it just sounds like there's like a tornado upstairs or something. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> And I assume your dog probably helps you. I mean, you mentioned kind of COVID and you can't really go anywhere at the moment, but at least with the dog, it gives you an excuse to go for a walk, explore outside, that kind of thing. Has that been quite nice during uh, during the pandemic? Yeah, it's been great. I started exercising a little more. Uh, there's these kind of mountainy type hills near us, uh, literally like a five minute walk from the house. So I'll take him up there and we'll just run up and down the hills and I can tell he's super happy because he's doing his like happy dog zoomy thing and I'm getting some exercise. So it's been a good way to kind of cool down, get some Zen time, you know, no phones, no TVs, no Roblox, just like some good jams and like the sunset and some hills. It's a good vibe. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people um, kind of have been struggling with working from home. I think a lot of Roblox developers and, and game developers are kind of used to the remote working a little bit. Um, but obviously it, the rest of the uh, kind of social life and going to the shops and stuff has kind of been cut down due to COVID. So it's uh, it's nice to get out and explore the outside. Yeah, definitely. It helps me keep my sanity a little. <laughs> well, whenever I get stuck on something development-wise, I find that uh, you know I don't really get past the, that block until I've been outside, been for a bit of a walk, that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. I feel like a combination of like exercise and also just sometimes you just need to come back to a problem, you know, you're just in the wrong mindset to solve it. So just taking a break really helps out. So I completely understand. Come back with fresh eyes. Yep. How much do you guys kind of influence each other's games in the house? You mentioned probably like um, helping to solve problems and things like that, but um, kind of do, do you give each other suggestions and ideas for your games and help evolve each other's games as well? Yeah, that's one of the best parts. Um, obviously, living together, we get to see work before anyone else does. Uh, by work, I mean the games, the projects, or the update. And, you know, someone will walk by your PC and you'll be like, hey, check this out. And you'll be like, oh, that's cool. You should make this text bigger or improve this or whatever. And you know, one of three things end up happening. The third thing, the first thing is you don't listen to them. That's pretty rare. The second thing is you do listen to them and you put it in. And then the third thing, this is becoming common and kind of funny. You argue with them and then a day later you do it anyway because you know it's right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> what kind of uh, features in your games do you think have been inspired by your housemates? Hmm, let's see. Um, there's a lot of stuff on Vehicle Sim that was inspired by them. Um, when I was working on the new chassis, uh, Widgen gave me a lot of great tips and tricks for how to build a good suspension and car system and uh, even helped me out a little bit when I was trying to figure out transmissions and torque curves. So, you know, Connor's kind of, uh, Widgen's kind of the technical guy. And then Austin's like really big on uh, high level kind of gameplay stuff. Uh, he'll often suggest that I make things like a little easier, a little faster, you know, maybe bounce this a little better. He's got some pretty good feedback as well. And then I have been kind of the technical slash user experience kind of guy, I say. Um, I really like working on user experience. Uh, usually that means user interface. And I also really like technical stuff like optimization or like AI or like complicated systems like really excite me. But um, that being said, 
that's not like we only do these things. Everyone does all these things. Just some of us have found interest in uh, specific areas. So it's been great because you get all that experience and insight from these people that know things that you don't. Yeah, I imagine it's really valuable having that kind of uh, different expertise areas. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like invaluable. It's like one of the best parts of DevHouse. Lastly, it's one of the questions I've been asking lots of developers about in these different episodes. I think they start with Avera is a, a Roblox toy, because I know that there is a Roblox toy of Scripton. Um, obviously, it's got your bucket, it's got your beard, it's got your distinct lack of clothing. Um, <laughs> how did that kind of come about? So basically, um, someone at Roblox was like, hey, if you put some pants on, you can have a toy. So I found some uh, I found some booty shorts and I slapped those suckers on and that that passed the requirement check. And so now there's a script down toy out there somewhere. I honestly don't know where it is or what the status is. I don't have one, <laughs> but it seems like it's coming out sometime in the next month if it's not already. So I'm excited for that. That's awesome. You're going to go down to the shop and get one. I think so. I think it's one of those random uh, draws, so I have to get like a bunch of them and hope for the best. Yeah, that'll be awesome, having your avatar kind of preserved forever in uh, in real plastic form. Yeah, it's also cool just knowing like kids get excited about it. I just think that's like so cool. <laughs> Did you uh, ever think about that when you first designed your avatar? Obviously, you've got that iconic uh, bucket, your iconic beard what kind of went into the decision of, of putting those on your avatar in the first place? Um, so the, the bucket and the beard were two hats that I was like, wow, these are the coolest things ever. <laughs> and that's back when I had like no Robux. <laughs> and then I released like a tycoon or an obby or something. And I got some BC and that was the first thing I bought. And I just never changed it. I just really like it. I guess it's uh it's like a distinct branding, and also it has like the silliness that I very much enjoy. Yeah, well, if it works, don't change it. Exactly. Brilliant. Well, that's all we have time for today, so thank you very much for joining us, Scripton. Is there anything that you'd like our listeners to check out before we finish? Right now, things are pretty silent, but if you want to see some progress on Kinetic Code, uh, you might find that interesting. Uh, about a year ago, I threw away everything that I had before and I rewrote it. And now we have like vehicles and large maps and destruction and explosives and all this cool stuff. So give that a play if you haven't already. Awesome. Well, you can find links to everything we've spoken about today and script on social media in the description of this episode on YouTube. Beyond the Box is brought to you by Vantech Systems, a development studio creating interactive game systems and solutions on Roblox. Find Bantex Profile and Robots and click through to the Bantex Systems group for more information. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time on Beyond the Blocks. <laughs>